It's all coming together, my kind of team, as we have ourselves another win streak for your Milwaukee Brewers. That's three in a row. Got the Pittsburgh Pirates last night. Your Milwaukee Brewers 5-2. Rowdy, it's all coming together again. Yeah, when we, uh, team. when we previewed this series on Monday, Ebo, we talk, I talked about the pitching matchups and just basically looking at that, you would think the Brewers had a really good shot at uh, the winning, winning two out of three and then even a pretty solid shot at the sweep. And we already, the Brewers won the first two and yeah. it looks like a, a sweep is, I don't want to say inevitable, but a sweep is looking really good, especially with Woodruff on the mound. Yeah, big the big woo coming up here to get her done. Let's see if I uh, can get this uh, this right here, ready? Ooh, what do you think of that sweep sound effect? What do you, what'd you think? What do you think of that sweep sound effect? Now that was an interesting one. I was looking for more of like a broom. Ooh. Sounds like a laser. <laughs> uh, in the business, that would be there's there's sweep sound effects, and that would that would be in the radio business is that kind of thing right there. But I kind of like it for the Brewers though. <laughs> the, the sweep upcoming. The, I kind of enjoy that. The sweep upcoming today, twelve forty first pitch. The big woo, Brandon Woodruff getting her going. Also, like one thing, like the that. biggest surprise yesterday for that Brewer game. For me, yeah. How about the fact that Craig Council let Corbin Burns pitch the seventh inning, and what he had over a hundred pitches, hundred and seven pitches. I couldn't believe it. I could not, and that was like what was in play because it was uh, there was already a home run. There's what Burns gave up two home runs. Council was just letting Corbin Burns feel it out there on the mound and get it done. Burns was just. I mean, despite the two shots, Burns was filthy. Yeah, and and I was getting some feedback talking about. Burns and saying, does his velocity look down? I thought he looked pretty good. Maybe it was down a mile an hour or two. I didn't think it was anything major. I mean, he struck out 10 over seven innings and yeah, he gave up two runs and they were two. One was that home run in the last inning. Yeah. So, you know, this is our guy, Victor Fernandez up early. What's up, Vic up in uh, New York there. And he says, we went from saying the Milwaukee Ewers to now look at the Brewers, the Brewers rowdy, are the Brewers finally coming into the into a little rhythm here, into their own? The Brewers have been looking pretty. These past couple of games, we've been saying, man, the Brewers have been looking good. The Brewers, well, that was their best game they've had this year. Again, last night, Brewers looking really good. Now, look at the quality of opponent in the Pittsburgh Pirates. I understand that. But still, you got to take, you know, you got to stack success. The Brewers, Rowdy, I think we got to talk about this today, are starting to, I think, get in a rhythm. And this is two winning streaks now. Or, so yeah, streaks. as we hop on that Brewers bandwagon when they win three in a row, like you said, <laughs> it's their second real winning streak of the season. Yeah. They're seven and five looking for a sweep this afternoon against Pittsburgh. Now, as we get on that bandwagon, are people getting off the Christian Yelich bandwagon <laughs> after going 0 for 4 with two strikeouts <laughs> after that. everybody had just jumped on his MVP bandwagon yesterday when we ran the poll and it ran away and when yeah. he, he ended up going, what, uh, two for four with a walk where he had the the double and grand slam yeah. and everyone was screaming he was the MVP again. And then what did he do last night? He's an 0, 0 for, for 4 0 with for two four. strikeouts. So... Yeah. Listen, waking up yesterday morning and then celebrating Christian Yelich with the Grand Slam was awesome. Waking up this morning, you're like, 
Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Yelly, 0 for 4. And then I don't know if we ever put a bow on our uh, conversation yesterday, so I wanted to revisit it in the 6 and 7 o'clock hour because we kind of unveiled it in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, which would you rather have, Brewers fans? Is Yelich at MVP form or pitching better than 2021, where the Brewers pitching staff was you know, one of the best in the majors? Well, Rowdy, yesterday the poll is still open at Zone Madison if you want to vote, but Yelich at MVP form, 72% of the vote of almost 400 votes yesterday. They want Yelich at MVP form more than they would want the pitching better than 2021. Well, Yelich didn't do anything last night and Corbin Burns put together a nice little masterpiece and they won. And you got Rowdy Telez with a home run, Hunter Renfro with a home run and Colton Wong coming off the RBIs. Yeah. I'm actually really surprised that Christian Yelich in MVP form ran away with that one. I voted for pitching. I voted pitching too. I think if you look at the team so far this year, they're not getting either one <laughs> through, through 12 games. The pitching hasn't been better than it was last year. And no. Yelich's outside of one game has not looked anything close to MVP form. Yep. Here they are though. The most wins in the NL central seven and five uh, but co- not first place. No Cardinals would be first place at six and three just because of the winning percentage is better because they played less games uh, because of the rainouts. So, you know, with the pitching, though, I saw this. It's so, so we'll get back into We'll finish the conversation of yesterday in the 6 and 7 o'clock hour. Uh, but, Rowdy, I was uh, perusing the World Wide Web. Adam McKelvey was, uh, had tweeted this out about 10 o'clock last night. He said, because, you know, it was Corbin Burns and then Devin Williams came in and then Josh Hader uh, came in for the ninth. It says, how nasty were Corbin Burns, Devin Williams, and Josh Hader? Well, last night was the ninth time in Brewers history that no outfielder recorded a put-out, according to MLB.com research crew. Three of those games are since the start of last season. Check that out. Nine times in Brewers history, the ninth being last night, no outfielder recorded a put-out. Three of those of the nine were from the start of last season with those that pitching staff. Well, in, in talking about some of those pitchers, more specifically Devin Williams, how nice was it that out of the three batters he faced... He threw first strikes or first pitch strikes to two out of the three. Yeah, man, it, doesn't he look just so much better when he throws strikes? He looks remarkably better, Rowdy. Weird, very weird. What? I mean, when you're growing up, when you're pitching, isn't aren't you aren't you supposed to be throwing strikes, Rowdy? Like, that's pretty much every single <laughs> level since kid pitch starts. Uh, so yeah, how about that though, Hunter Renfro? And we'll get into a little Hunter Renfro today as well as he had a dinger last night along with Rowdy Tellez. Hunter, well, yeah. Colton Wong dumped that one down right field line where it was kind of like in a little Texas a little leaguer blooper. Yeah, but uh, there was there was a little discussion yesterday about being worried about the Milwaukee Brewers' lack of home runs in production so far this season and if they would ever come. And my response to this was Colton Wong. He hasn't been swinging the bat well. I feel like Colton Wong is a guy that by the end of the season, I have no no fear that he's not going to hit 265 plus. He's not going to have 10 to 15 home runs. He's not going to have 40 to 50 RBIs. Like, mm-hmm. And he's going to play phenomenal gold glove type defense. I have no issues. Okay, it's a slow start for the first two weeks. Yeah. Willie Adamas. He has been able to to basically get the back of his baseball card almost every season, and he had his best career year last year. 
But overall, it was only a little bit better than what he normally does because he was so awful in Tampa. Yeah. yeah, he's off to a slow start. How about that defense from him last night, though, and later on But in the that's game? it. Like, yeah. he's still playing good defense when he's not hitting. Yelich yeah. is Christian Yelich, and by that I'm talking about Christian Yelich of the last two years. Uh, still struggling outside of one game. McCutcheon's been pretty solid. Yep, McCutcheon's been good. Rowdy Telez has been arguably better than he was last year for the Milwaukee He's been Brewers. looking really nice for the crew. Hunter Renfro, and I put this in the message between us in that group chat, I go, Hunter Renfro just seems to be just barely missing every single time he hits the baseball. So you said that, what, around like the third or fourth inning? I and said? then literally, I think it was his next at bat, he hit a home run. Yeah. And it then, was, he was just like, he's just like a little bit under every single baseball. And, and then, then the next one, he oof. just crushed. Then he but crushed if, it. If they can get him going, that's a, a big jolt to the offense. Lorenzo Kane is kind of Lorenzo Kane at this point. You just ask him to get on base and he's kind of getting up yeah. there. Hunter Carantini, Victor Carantini has been looking decent really quickly for the Brewers. It, yeah, him and Narvaez both haven't been terrible. No. And then we're forgetting that Arias hasn't played one game yet. I've, for, I've not, no lie, I kind of forgotten about Luis Arias for this past, like, start of the season. Like, opening day, talking about him, you know, with the calf strain. I've kind of forgotten about him a little bit. Yeah, like, he literally hasn't even played one game, and he was your starting third baseman last year that hit over 20 home runs. Yep. Like, that's a a huge bump for this Brewers offense outside of Jace Peterson and, what, Brasseau? Yeah. Like, Brasseau is like a, a utility player, who spent the majority of his time between AAA and the big leagues. And I think you could pretty much say that Jace Peterson is the same thing, even though he caught on with the Brewers kind of last year. Mm-hmm. Luis Arias was a 23-year-old kid that hit 20 bombs last year at third base. Yeah. Uh, I think you'd rather have him there, and you're going to see a difference. So the Brewers right now, I mean, I can, you can feel them, I can feel them trending up. And that's without the likes of like a Christian Yelich doing well. And then Low Kane's going to bet. I mean, Low Kane's in, had a couple big hits in some big spots. Well, the Brewers have they some guys trending up on that roster that get extremely, like, extremely hot or cold, feast or famine. Like, mm-hmm. they go through hot streaks. Like, Keston Hira, he's a guy that'll get really hot at times. Same thing with Renfro. Same thing with uh, Adamas. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of guys that have not been hot at all on this team. They're still seven and yeah, five. Seven and five. You can, f- you can feel the you can feel them getting better and moving along. And then you look at that pitching staff, and the pitching staff is not as good as it was last year. Season's young, obviously, but that even you can feel trending up. You hope Freddie Peralta uh, can you know get his third start a little better here uh, after the big woo Brandon Woodruff goes. I think you today. could argue right now. Now. Devin Williams hasn't looked as good, yeah. but I, I think you can argue Josh Hader is Josh Hader still. Lights out. So far through the first two weeks, Boxberger was Boxberger of last year. Yep. I think you could argue on the pitching side of things. Now, the rotation hasn't been as good as last year, obviously, when your third best pitcher in your rotation hasn't thrown one good game yet. Uh-huh. And pretty much everyone else is one and one when it comes to good starts. Yeah. I think you can argue, though, that the, the lower the lower stress level innings out of the bullpen, like those like lower level Gods relievers, the I think you could argue that they've been better than what they were last year. Yeah, and that's that's a good problem to have so far, especially, again, sitting at 7-5. and five. Your Brewers taking down our matey. The Pirates who got a little scurvy. Yeah, how about Corbin Burns, man? Electric. He did give up two bombs, but that was it. Daniel Vogelback. Who's the, who hit the other one, Rowdy? I don't remember the top of my head. I know Dan the man hit one. 
Someone else hit one, whatever. Brewers still win. Nice little victory. In fact, uh, it was so boring out there for the outfielders. They never once had an opportunity to catch a fly ball. Nothing. They stood around the entire game. That has happened nine times in the history of the Brewers. No putouts by outfielders. And according to MLB.com, the research crew, three of those games of the nine in Brewers history are since the start of last season. Hunter Renfro saying that basically they were pretty bored out there walking around like, oh, gee, golly, we haven't gotten a ball. Uh, Rowdy, Josh Hader already five saves on the season last night. Before that, Devin Williams, as you pointed out correctly in the 6 o'clock hour, throwing what? He actually threw it. He faced three hitters. The two out of the three that he faced through first pitch strikes. Strikes. Goes a long way for Devin Williams looking really good. And I love this. We're uh, we're in a couple DM groups with a bunch of different uh, facets of listeners. One of them, our guy, uh, probably just dominating the excavator right now. Uh, we love you, Fuller Excavating. But Full Dog, talking about in the this, this Snapchat group we had, you had said, man, Hunter Renfro is just barely missing. Just missing. And then I kid you not, five later, the dude Renfro hit a bomb. Yeah, well, he the last week or so, because Renfro's a guy that can get really hot and carry a team when he gets hot, but so far in the first couple weeks of the season, first week he looked pretty bad. The second week, it was like he was just missing the the ball on the bat, just missing it, and literally put that into that message, and his next at bat, he goes big fly. Yeah, and it was And, and by the way, yeah. Josh Hader has five saves right now this five. year. They've only have seven wins. He's currently on pace for sixty-eight <laughs> saves. <laughs> Sixty. That would sh- that Woo! would win the that would Woo! win uh, most saves in a season. Most saves in a season. Do, do you know that at the top of your head, by the way? Uh, I believe it's K Rod. Yeah, sixty-two, two thousand and eight. K Rod, sixth. Damn. Uh, let's see here. And Edwin Diaz in two twenty eighteen, he had fifty-seven. Thigpen in t- nineteen ninety, hit fifty-seven. And oh my God. Eric Gagne, fourth on the list, 55, 2003. Back when he was, was he juicing then? 03? Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. Was that Rangers? I would have guessed Dodgers. Dodgers? Yeah, okay. Dodgers. Gagne just, <laughs> then then his name turned to gag me when he came to the Brewers. All right, so yeah, then the afternoon affair today, right? So you have uh, Brewers going for the sweep, which is awesome. You call, I mean, you called it. Well, you just look it's at the, the Pirates. The pitching matchups clearly... They had, they had to be the favorite, and they were going to be overwhelming favorites in every game. Actually, if I bring this up here real quick, I told you they'd be probably pretty heavy favorites in every game. Well, yeah, Lauer totally. was minus one eighty. Uh, Burns, I believe, was around minus two thirty. And if I can pull this up here, this afternoon's game with Brandon Woodruff on the mound. Currently, the Milwaukee Brewers are hey. a minus two forty five favorite Rowdy, you know how i know you're a pros pro you didn't have it up in front of you you killed time with awesome information as you pulled it up at the same time multitasking rowdy a true broadcast professional what was it again you said well basically they were minus 180 favorites on uh monday mm-hmm. yesterday they were roughly minus 230 235 favorites with corbin burns now they're even a heavier favorite minus 245 with woody today as they go for the sweep and we kind of spelled that out Monday morning when we were looking back on the Brewers recap from the weekend and kind of previewing the Pittsburgh series. Like I said, you just look at the pitching matchups just on paper, the Brewers should win this series, you know, at least two games to one. And a sweep is definitely not 
out, out of uh, contention either. Yeah. And now they took the first two games of the series. In my opinion, you look at what the Brewers have done so far. They've done their job. They won two out of three. They won the series. Now you get greedy and go for it all. And you, go for and it you all. just happen to have the second best pitcher in your rotation. Oh, and by the way, he's still the same guy that was your ace the last two seasons. Yeah, so excited to see what the big woo Brandon Woodruff can put together this afternoon. And let's let's see uh, some more of these bats. After the game, Craig Council had said, Oh, what was it on the? What did he say? I have to go get the comments. Well, about this is home, how, hitting home runs. If you hit home runs, we're gonna we're gonna do good. It's like, oh, gee, no kidding. This is how you distance yourself from teams like the Cardinals throughout the season. Yep. When yep. the when the Milwaukee Brewers were playing pretty bad baseball in Chicago, they were able to muster winning a game. They salvaged one game in that three game series. Again, it was a four game series, but it was postponed due to the rain. Yeah. Turned into a three gamer. They salvaged one game, and and it was a series in which they probably should have been swept. Now you go to another series like this Pittsburgh series. On paper, you should win at least two out of three. You're in a position to win and completely sweep the Pirates. If they go out there and do it, that's that's two series where you'd say, man, they probably should have got swept and they probably should have won two out of three. That's two games difference right there. If you continue to do that type of thing, it's always once never get swept. Because getting swept just kills you, especially if it's interdivision. Because you go from, if you can salvage one game like they did against the Cubs, just one game behind, Mm -hmm. to losing three games in the standings if you get swept in those series. And the other one is, uh, don't get get swept. And if you win the first two or three games of the series, get greedy and go for sweeps. Get greedy. I love it. Because if you can do that, you're going to tack on so many more wins that are just people don't really think about, but then all of a sudden you you sit there at the end of the year and you're like, man, this is a team that's won 98 games. So um, up next for the Brewers, uh, so 1240 today, first pitch, broadcast starts at 1205. Uh, 1240, the first pitch, Brandon Woodruff. After that, though, uh, the Brewers have what? They have Thursday off, their first off day, I think, uh, this young season, and then they go out to Philadelphia to take on the Phillies. Phillies, Phillies are having a tough time out in Colorado. And the Phillies right now. Four and eight. Ooh, really? Yeah. Look at, oh, they're ooh, bottom of the NL East. Yeah, four and eight. Tough. Yikes. No wonder Ben's been not wanting to talk Phillies. Yeah, so Phillies coming up. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at this month for the Milwaukee Brewers. You started out with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, they're, they're power ranked at Bleacher Report in the top 10, but give me a break. Gag me. And you have them for multiple series in April. You have Baltimore, which you should have went in there and won two out of three. You did. You had St. Louis in a four-game set at home. You split. Now you're going to win the series against Pittsburgh looking for a sweep. And then, like you said, Phillies on the weekend. That one little weird game. Yeah, so for some reason yesterday I thought they were in San Francisco. They're in Milwaukee against the Giants for one game. And then later in the season they have a two-game series with San Francisco that's home. But then, yeah, then you're three games on the road with uh, Pittsburgh and then three games at the end of April, beginning of May with Chicago uh, Cubs. This should be a, a pretty solid month for the Milwaukee Brewers if they just keep handling their business. They're not even playing great baseball, and we keep talking about that, but they're 7-5. and five. Yeah, you can feel the Brewers getting – can't you feel them getting better? Like, I know this is the Pirates, and, and by the end of the year, they'll – they, I'm, I'm, who do you think is going to be last? You know, Central Reds or, or Pirates are going to find Reds or down. Pirates. I mean, they're not a good squad, but it's nice for the Brewers to get a little confidence, especially with the sticks moving forward. And 
like the thing that you just, if people are freaking out, like, why aren't the Brewers in first place? Why isn't everybody hitting the baseball? And we're 12 games in. Yes, They're well, seven and five in 12 games. If you keep that winning percentage up over the long six month season, that is 162 games. They're on pace right now to win about 94 and a half games. Woo! And the over under was, I think, 90 and a half. Yeah, it was anywhere from 89 and a, half, and a half to 90 and a half. But still, if they just played at this pace where they haven't played great baseball, 94 and a half wins. Yeah. NFL draft. Quickly approaching eight days away. Want to get into the running backs. Speaking of running backs really quick, I don't know if you saw this. A.J. Dillon, the sauce. He threw it the first pitch two days ago at, uh, for the Brewers. And then he was also emceeing an event last night for the Pottawatomie Area Council Boy Scouts fundraiser. Rowdy. There you go. A.J. Dillon getting, his, getting a little off-season uh, first pitch and charity work. How about that? But when it comes to the running backs, I think the Packers are uh, pretty set, right? Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon uh, back there toting the rock. That's a nice little one-two combo, the rock and sock connection. But something we were doing with the draft, right? He went quarterbacks yesterday and now running backs today. Yeah, so, and when I'm talking about guys that I'm interested in, I'm not talking about, like, your first couple running backs off the board because it's, it's to me, it's just not realistic for Green yeah, why Bay would, why would you? to go after anyone that's too highly touted at the running back position, especially like when you said you have Aaron Jones, he signed a huge deal. You still have AJ Dillon. Let's not forget you have Kylan Hill who will be coming off of an ACL injury who showed some real flashes in preseason and then also was the kick returner and played some special teams. And let's not forget, you still have Patrick Taylor on an extremely cheap deal. And if you really wanted to keep him here, you could, in theory, keep him here for another two seasons. So though I don't really think running back is a huge need for this team, it is something I wouldn't be surprised that if they took a shot on some guy that they liked, you know, in the fifth, sure. sixth, seventh round or yeah. brought in a guy that was an undrafted free agent that they uh, coveted. Now, the guys that I was actually interested in, their draft grades, they don't really start coming in into draft grades until about the fifth round. So, like I said, I'm not really looking at any top end quarterback or uh, running backs here. First one that I liked. Tyler Beatty out of uh, Missouri. This is a guy that, I mean, he's got pretty good balance. He was a real bell cow at, at Missouri. He was kind of like the the knock, like A.J. Dillon and Jonathan Taylor. Oh, he carries the ball 30 times a game. He's going to be shot. Yeah. And that he's, was a huge knock of Dillon, like you said, coming out of Boston College. He's old. He's carried the ball a lot. Look how good Dillon's been. But, yeah, he this is a guy that's got, like, room to grow because at Missouri, they literally just asked him to carry the football. They didn't ask him to really be a receiver. Mm-hmm. They didn't ask him to really block. Now, that's why he's getting knocked for some of this, and also he's not the biggest guy. I think he goes, like, 5'8", like 210 pounds. Yeah. But that's one guy that I was looking at. Right now, his draft projections are on the fifth round. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco. That kid out of Rutgers is an absolute incredible athlete. You talk about a guy that can catch the football out of the backfield. He's got really good vision and and patient. He's patient, got good vision, good feet, catches the ball out of the backfield. He unfortunately just played with a terrible Rutgers team, (laughs) a terrible offensive line, and a terrible quarterback. In the game against Wisconsin, Wisconsin won 52-3. to He rushed nine times for 55 yards, but averaged 6.1 yards per carry. And, like, this kid's a really good athlete, and he's got a lot of good intangibles when it comes to the running back position. He just played on such a bad team, and he's still pretty raw. And he's another guy that's they're looking at fifth, 
sixth round potential for him. And then another guy that I actually liked on there was Snoop Connor. And this is a guy that is a, he was like the burly uh, hard hitting running back out of old miss. Like he was the guy that never got tackled after, after the first guy hit him. Showed some burst in the hole. Also a very five ten two twenty very downhill runner. He was the he was the AJ Dillon of the Ole Miss backfield, mm-hmm. and I think especially depending on which way they wanted to go, because they probably Oof, see got some arms on him. Yeah, they probably see Kylan Hill as more of like the Aaron Jones second secondary type player. And this is this like would Dillon. be like the backup AJ Dillon. So AJ Dillon's got the big you know thighs, quads, the quadzilla. This guy's got. Just huge guns on him. He's also projected in the fifth, sixth round. And then I guess since we're talking about Ole Miss, I actually do like his backfield mate as well. The Jerry and Ely of the world who this guy's like five, seven, like a buck 90, but they describe him as a pogo stick. Like one of the most athletic guys on the field can change directions like none other extremely quick, extremely fast. He just doesn't have much size. Isn't a guy that you're going to anticipate makes uh, many uh, blocks when it comes to protecting the quarterback. But again, these are all, I think his draft stock is like sixth round. And then the other couple guys that I had my eyes on sincere McCormick, actually a guy out of uh, UTSA. And I watched a few games. He's not very big, but the guy has pretty good feet. He never seems to get run down from behind and and he was just really quick to me. And now how tall is he? I think he's like, he's a smaller back as well. I think he went about five, eight, two Oh five. So, so he's not a very big back either elusive. But if I find where he's projected, his current projection right now is currently a preferred free agent. Oh, okay. So one of those guys that maybe catches on for, you know, and then my last running back that I liked late in the draft was a TG uh, TJ pledger out of Utah. Watched a few Utah games. This guy, again, he's like five, nine two ten. These aren't huge running backs outside of Snoop Connor, but he was a guy that caught on good feet, had pretty good vision, but also Utah blocked really well. So you might have to take that into consideration. And then the final one was, Kennedy Brooks out of uh, Oklahoma. This guy really patient, had a big time stiff arm, had some vision, but he was like a guy that was like playing all around a bunch of other studs and would be like, man, this guy runs well, but we got to make sure that we're giving so-and-so a carry or, you know, another year it'd be like, well, we got the Trey Sermon before he transferred to Ohio state. We got to get him carry. So he kind of always fell off as like the secondary guy, Uh even though he seems like he's like a pretty solid player that always seemed to run for a thousand plus yards, like almost every single year at Oklahoma. And I think right now they are looking at him being a, also a preferred free agent or seventh round pick. So basically all the guys that I named right there are all guys expected to go anywhere between the fifth round or preferred free agents. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers took a shot on one of them late, or like I said, they targeted them in the uh, first wave of signing free agents. Yeah. Uh, Interesting to see what the Packers are going to do here in the upcoming draft um, with the running backs for today's thing. But yesterday we talked quarterbacks rowdy and I didn't, I didn't realize this until I saw it pop up on uh, was it Twitter yesterday I was looking at. And I want to go back to a little conversation we started to have. And we'll just kind of dip the toe a little bit. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, uh, it doesn't. But if it does happen, it'll be a nice topic about Brian Gutekunst and him trading up to get Jordan Love in the NFL's draft uh, two years ago. But speaking of those two years, and I saw this flash up and I was like, wow, crazy. Kenny Pickett 
is projected, you know, the, one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. Uh, one here I have for CBS mock. Kenny Pickett is going uh, to the Carolina Panthers round one pick number six. It's not unanimous, but Pickett received the most picks to become the Panthers' new quarterback. I saw here for CBS Sports. So Kenny Pickett, Rowdy, uh, definitely going to be off the board very quickly. Did you know, and you probably did because you're all about the draft and everything, did you know that Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett are the same age? Yeah, I heard people talking about that. Like, that's the that's the two big knocks on Kenny Pickett is he has small hands and he's pretty old coming out of college. He's 23 years old. He was born. So Jordan Love, November 2nd, 1998. Kenny Pickett, June 6th, 1998. Both are 23 years old. And then it was, well, Jordan Love's the same age as Kenny Pickett, but Jordan Love has two years of NFL experience. One, Kenny Pickett obviously does not. Could the Packers... Again, uh, we briefly talked about it yesterday. Do you see a scenario where the Packers could package up Jordan Love and say, hey, here's a nice little trade for something? Well, this is the same thing that we've talked about last year with Jordan Love in the current quarterback draft. If you look at this draft, you have about four guys that'll be first-round picks or early second-round picks. Jordan Love was a late first round pick, early second round pick when they looked at draft projections when he was coming out. Now you had a few teams like the Packers that obviously must have fallen in love with them because they traded up and drafted him at the end of the first round. But there was a lot of upside with Jordan Love or a lot of things that, you know, they might like just because of his ceiling. You look at like some of these guys in this draft, it dries up pretty fast once you get outside of those top four guys. Mm -hmm. And we did this last year. If Jordan Love was in this draft, where would he be? And I I mean, if I'm looking at it, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Love was a top three quarterback in this draft. Like if he was in this draft. And you're talking about how Kenny Pickett's the same age. Same age. And we did this last year where... If uh, Jordan Love was in last year's draft, and I think we, and I also think this was experts' opinions that agreed on this, he also would have been a top three quarterback in that draft. He just happened to be what, like the fifth quarterback off the board in 2020? Because remember, that was Tua, that was Justin Herbert, that was um, Tua, Herbert, Burrow. Um, he was the fifth guy. I'm yeah, missing somebody. Why are we forgetting the, uh, I have to go look that up. Anyways, but yeah, so I, I just don't. Jordan Love is not going to play for the Packers unless Rodgers gets hurt or unless they have the everything wrapped up at the end of the year and he gets some garbage time. What are the Packers own right now? They have the, let's see here, the 22nd and the 28th overall pick. Packers need to get some wide receivers, got to get some weapons. Could you see a scenario, and you know the answer right now is we got Jacko coming up, a scenario where the Packers draft day, Package up Jordan Love. I lied. There wasn't another one. Yeah, so it, was, it, right. it was Burrow. It You're was a terrible Tua, liar. To quote Charlie. It was Justin Herbert. And then the next quarterback off the board was Jordan Love. For some reason, I thought he was fifth. Well, to quote Charlie, you're a terrible liar. You're right. All but again, right. look at how those first three guys have played. Jordan, or Jordan Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. People love him. He looked good his rookie year until he hurt his knee and then looked phenomenal uh, last year. Justin Herbert has been really good. The Chargers just can't get out of their own ways with their head coaches, like not knowing how to manage time down the stretch. Correct. And then there's Tua, who's been accurate and been up and down, and there's been some things here and there, but you can't say he's terrible. 
No. He just his coaches just don't want him. <laughs> like he, he's been middle of the road. Yeah. And then there's Jordan Love, who was the fourth quarterback taken in that draft. Yes, NBA playoffs, first round series in full swing, full swish, if you will. Uh, just a couple round up here going. So the Mavs are optimistic, Rowdy, that Luka Doncic is going to be playing in game three or four. He had, what, that calf injury. And you said Dave Essler, our gambler to the stars, who joins us Fridays at uh, 740. He's taking what again for that uh, additional Razor's Edge? He's taking the under... 210 and a half for that Mavs game. That's Thursday. There there you go, David. Uh, Last night, we also saw the Pelicans even up their series with the Phoenix Suns. That's now tied one apiece with the Pels winning 125 to 114. Something that Rowdy had said was that you'd you'd like to see the rematch, right? The Suns versus the Bucks in the NBA Finals to see what happens. I won't tell the folks what you said would would happen in that series final in the championship game, uh, unless you want to say it again. I won't tell the folks what you said. Well, the reason why I wanted to see the Bucks and the the Suns have a rematch is because one, I was watching that Suns uh, series with the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the Pelicans. Yeah, game one and game one, CP3. it was just phenomenal. It was phenomenal <laughs> seeing phenomenal. those fans in Arizona yet again. Well, remember the Bucks? Yeah, the Bucks run with the. There was that idiot with all the money. The he was money flashing. they had. Like, Remember that one guy who looked like he was tripping on like he like <laughs> took, he took a bunch of acid or shrooms. Like, he was like, Whoa, they're back. Man. They were back. Yeah, there wasn't anyone notable like the money guy that you could just straight up laugh at. But there was a lot of fans that you're like, yep. We're back in Arizona. We're back in Phoenix here. I need this. If the Bucks make the NBA Finals, I need a rematch with the Phoenix Suns they do just to see their crew. fans. Remember that that dude that looked like he was on like a bunch of psychedelics? His name probably was Chad. He looked like an older dude with long hair. He's just like, hey, man. Arizona Chad? Yeah, Arizona Chad. Like He's like just, just <laughs> tripping balls. Whoa, how did I get in this game, man? Uh, and then the, who was the guy? Was it the Suns fan that beat the hell out of that one guy with like all the fake chains and the? Do you fake remember watches? the guy from uh, the Bucks? The one of the Bucks fans that totally was trolling. Yes, the guy from Phoenix that was doing the money yeah, thing. The money. <laughs> it's like what is this guy? All right, all right, buddy. Let's let's put away your singles, okay? We're not at the strip club. But with the um, with the potential of the rematch of the Suns, because Suns, you know, got the best record in the NBA. When the potential rematch. Uh, last night, though, it was a tough scene as Booker left the game with a hamstring injury. So that could come into question with the potential rematch as Booker leaving game two well, with I a mean, hamstring injury. Also, for the Pelicans last night, you had McCollum play a really good game and you had um, oh the former Laker, Brandon... Oh, uh, was it uh, Ingram? Ingram. Yeah, yeah Ingram. I couldn't think of his last name. Brandon Ingram. I mean, those two guys played really well. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that series, potentially for a rematch for the Bucks and the Suns. But then there's uh, this on the flip side. You know, you're talking about how you're taking the Celtics. Uh, DeMarcus Smart was just named the NBA uh, Defensive Player of the Year, stealing away from Giannis Antetokounmpo. A lot of people saying that was a big old snub. And how about this? Ben Kenny's favorite player, Ben Simmons. Cleared for contact, finally. He's out for game two, but Ben Simmons has been cleared for contact. The question is, is he ever going to be able to play, especially in the playoffs? And if he does, will he be any good for the Nets as they uh, are taking their series, obviously, with the Celtics? They're down in a one nothing hole. The Nets are not really a hole. But Kyrie Irving making headlines. He was just fined $50,000 for flipping off the fans there at TD Garden. Um, when you look at 
still big. Th- I don't want to do big threat, but the Philadelphia 76ers, is that who, who you got to be looking out for for the Bucks? then? I, I actually, watching these games, I think Philly has been the most dominant so mm-hmm. far. Because, I mean, if you look at some of the games that have transpired, especially in the East, you have the Bucks winning a really ugly game against, well, the, uh, the, the Bulls. Bulls. And the Bulls were a below 500 team heading into um, the playoffs when they didn't have Lonzo Ball. Yeah. You had the Celtics eke one out against the Brooklyn Nets, thanks to a uh, Tatum buzzer beater. Yep. And the Nets were going to be a dangerous team because, well, one, they weren't 100% healthy all year. And then, two, Kyrie, for the most part of the season, wasn't able to play at home games. Mm-hmm. So that team was better than what they were record-wise. But it was a close game. I would say right now, looking at the two, the Heat have played pretty well to start. Yeah, Jimmy Buckets is going bananas. But I would say out of all the other teams, Philly, Philly has looked the most dominant. I'd go Philly then Heat. Yeah, uh, Philly's up right now on the Raptors. What up two nothing on there? So the Bucks get underway tonight eight thirty. And I'm not concerned about the Bucks. It's one game, and you know Mike Budenholzer, the head coach, he's like, we got to play better. I got to coach better. Well, they better. won. They won. Yeah, they won. Giannis was in foul trouble, and yeah, he played a really good game. He didn't play his best game. He didn't play anywhere near like uh, the Giannis that played against the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. Yeah, Chris Middleton was pretty much non-existent. Did you almost call him Chris Misselton? <laughs> that was a name that was floated around <laughs> from time to time since what two thousand. And I'm not talking a missile coming out of like a like an aircraft or something. I'm talking missile, like a, like a Mason's convention. He's laying bricks. But yes, I mean he did not play very well, even for his standards, and turned the ball over a ton. Mm-hmm. Drew Holiday turned the ball over a ton and did not shoot the ball well. Brooke Lopez played well when they got him the basketball, but they went away from him. Uh, one of the you know the key reserves off the bench in Pat Connaughton, he did not shoot the ball well. Carter didn't even want to shoot the ball, <laughs> which I think most Buck fans are okay with. Yep. But like a lot of the guys around Giannis did not play well, and they still ended up winning the game. And yes, I know the Bulls came out, did not shoot the ball particularly well in that first quarter. But outside of that first quarter, the Bulls played a pretty solid game. Vukovic was hitting shots. Obviously you had Caruso being the pain in everyone's ass. <laughs> um, you had DeMar DeRozan he's, again, outside of the good. first quarter he's shot the ball really well. Yeah. I just, if that's going to be one of the better shots that they get at Milwaukee, because Milwaukee doesn't, I play think that was well, probably their best shot. They're through at them. I, like I said, I was, I was bucks in five, but with how the Bucks played in game one and they still beat the Bulls with how the Bulls played three out of the four quarters, it's going to be tough for the Bulls to win a game. I don't, yeah, I don't think the Bulls are going to be getting one. And if they do, it's one probably in Chicago. But yeah, I think I think that was the best shot they threw at the at the Milwaukee Bucks there at the Pfizer. Now, there could be some, you know, some home court energy when they come back Friday at the United Center. So we'll see. And then Sunday's game. A four in that series. The Bucks could be wrapping it up Sunday night if everything goes, you know, hunky dory for them. So we'll see what happens with the deer. I don't think I don't think the Bucks can play worse than what they played game one against the Bulls. If they do, I'm interested to see if the Bulls can even beat them because they still won by what was it uh, seven points? Yeah, and they played they awful. Cover, but yeah, yeah, they played awful. And Giannis well, was in foul trouble. 
And when Giannis was on the court, though, my God, playoff Giannis, he just gets better as the playoff progresses. Playoff Giannis is insane. And that's something we saw last year, Rowdy, right? Chris Middleton would turn into Chris Misselton. Drew Holiday would defensively be good, but then, you know, offensively, you're like, what's going on here? And then a bunch of the role players would be like, whatever. And Giannis would be like, okay, you want me to do it? Fine. I just have one thing. Just one? Just one thing. What's that? When you call Chris Misselton, or sorry, Chris Middleton, Chris Misselton, it's ha ha he he. When I call it, I got like people tweeting at me saying I hate Chris Middleton. Correct. I'm just. I'm, you want I'm me to get a, hate tweets? I'm not. No, I'm just. I'm just. I'm if wondering hey. why there's a double standard here. You were very okay. I know why. Because you were very anti Middleton. I was very. I'm a Middleton truther, and I was. Who else are they going to sign? They need to sign him. And you said, I would rather sign a hurt Clay Thompson. A hurt Clay Thompson that said he didn't want to be <laughs> said, in Milwaukee. Not only did he say he did not want to be in Milwaukee, he said he wakes up every morning and thanks God that the Bucks didn't draft him. Yeah, well, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm done with him, he's going to wake up every morning and thank God I got him to Milwaukee. <laughs> so I think that's what it is. I think it's the, the varying degrees of... Um, what we how we felt about Chris Middleton? No, but Middleton is one of the most frustrating number twos in like the history of the NBA. Yeah, because he either okay, Chris Middleton looks like a number two regardless of what he does. He looks like a number two when he plays well. <laughs> he looks like a number two when he plays like ass. <laughs> Which where's a number two comes from usually? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> but he is such a spectrum of or usually the num- always. He sorry. is such a spectrum of the number two. So it's such a such a he's such a crazy. His career is so bizarre. He'll be gangbusters. Well, usually it's uh, he's really bad, and then the next game he's just has like a career game. You're like, where, where's the consistency? But again, the Bucks did they did win the championship, but that was on the back of Giannis Antetokounmpo in Game Seven against the yeah. Phoenix Suns. I don't think anyone's going to be fooled by saying that Chris Middleton won the NBA Finals for the Bucks last year. Clearly, it was their big dog and Giannis coming and just. Saying, give me the basketball, get out of the just, way. Just give me the ball and let me I, do it. I'm, I'm going to block shots and I'm going to dunk on you. I'm literally going to do everything. And I'll hit a couple threes along the way. And I'll make a few free throws. A few. Not all of them. A, a few. few. But he a did few. get better in that yeah. NBA Finals where he started actually making free throws. But yeah, all okay, what do you remember from those finals? Oh, so- One, it was the massive Giannis block that won a game. <sighs> And then his, almost, it was knee, the alley-oop leg. that Holiday threw to him that basically won a game. I also, when Giannis almost like had his leg, like everything in his leg, like broken and torn and just almost like cut off his leg because of that injury. I remember that too. Then Giannis coming back and just going Greek freak mode, like a super Saiyan Greek freak engaged, just getting after it. Uh, Giannis Dendekumbo in the playoffs is must-see TV. That's what you got to watch. And if everything that was bad for the Bucks game one against the Bulls, Giannis was just that much better despite being in foul trouble. All I got to say to anyone that was uh, wanting Middleton over Clay Thompson, go watch a Warriors game. <laughs> uh, the King, here we go. The King says we, it's because we all know Nelson hates Middleton. Middleton is to the Bucks as Orlando Arcia is to the Braves. Both help their team win a world championship. So King is not done trolling you. Relby. King's troll is worse than his grammar, and that's not great. <laughs> King. We love it, King. Call in sometime. Maybe you can, you and Rowdy can go after it. Would you, would you appreciate if people t- tweeted some nasty things and, at me? And one, that's a terrible troll because, first off, 
that is so disrespectful to Chris Middleton. That's more comparing oh. him to Orlando Arcia is more disrespectful than me saying he looks like the ex- extreme spectrum of a number two, where he's actually really good sometimes and then looks like crap other times. So, like, is our, this you Arcea, sticking up for Middleton though? Yeah, this is wow. me sticking up for our uh, for Middleton. Arcia okay? is that is just not that that's not okay. <laughs> He spent the overwhelming majority of last season in Triple A for the Braves. The guy had one at bat in the World Series, and he went zero for one. He didn't really play at all for the Braves. Would you be? Would and a lot of people wanted him playing over Luis Arias, who's younger, had more potential, ended up hitting twenty plus home runs last year. That is just that. That is that? where. Di- Mm, Chris Middleton points out the disrespect and probably freaks out and and might even talk to our bosses. (laughs) Like I get the bashing, but to compare him to Orlando Arcee, that's just disrespect. That's just disrespectful. All right. So Rowdy, would you feel better since I did get a little sense that with you getting the hate tweets over the Middleton takes and I'm not getting any, would you feel better if people tweeted nasty things at me? No, I just you I was curious of the double standard. My Twitter account is See, like, at Ebo says if you want to tweet nasty like things. Like no one to me. said anything, and now I get a little Arcia mention. <laughs> Listen, I already get I already get nasty stuff tweeted at me all the time. It's, it's, so do you? You just you put the hater blockers on. I, I actually feed off that stuff. The more people I get that uh, say bad things to me, the more I get emboldened and get on this mic and scream more and feel better about myself. So if you do want to tweet nasty things, at Ebo says. You know it's a bad troll for for King here when Jermichael Buckwheat starts (laughs) tweeting it. Oh, Bird. I I guess you would say to my defense, though it's not like it was really needed, but when when he comes out of the woodwork defending me, now we got something to talk about. Wisconsin spring ball. Is uh, 13th practice was yesterday, and it's something we've been talking to our sports director, Zach Halperin, about because when they let the reporters in there, it's uh, something I want him to be keen on, and, and he is as well when his, you know, his, the camp, his successful podcast, and that's Graham Mertz. So I'm reading Zach's article here at madcitysportszone.com. It's Wisconsin spring practice report from yesterday, April 19th, 2022. The play of the day, it belongs to Nick Herbig. He was limited uh, the spring due to an arm injury, but the junior continues to be a difference maker on the field. They talk about how great he was. Uh, the good was the deep passing game. So Wisconsin's deep passing game has been nearly non-existent the last two seasons. The Badgers had just one play of 50 or more yards in 2021, and that was Danny Davis turned uh, a catch, a short catch into a 72-yarder. But he said, let's see here, we have signs of life from that aspect of the offense from the last two practices. On Saturday, it was Chase Wolf and Deacon Hill. Hooking up with receivers for a long touchdowns. Boys, last I checked, I don't think Chase Wolf's going to be starting any games unless uh, Graham Mertz goes down. I don't think Deacon Hill's going to be getting much of uh, any play. Am I, am I wrong in thinking that? Yeah, last time <laughs> we really talked to our sports director, Zach Heilprin, and then uh, also I guess you would say Jesse Temple to a little bit with some of his articles and things that he has said to our sports director. Yeah. There's really no competition for Graham Mertz currently on this roster that's actually going to push him for a starting spot. Yeah. Saturday was Wolf and Hill, though, linking up with the long touchdown throws. But yesterday, uh, Zach says it was Graham Mertz and Chase Wolf's time, but Wolf was first finding receivers. Uh, Lewis for a 50-yard score. The UCLA transfer got behind freshman 
uh, Avian Jones and Wolf dropped it right in on him. Then it was Mertz hitting Chimray DK for a 50 yard game. But so those were the plays of the game and the, the good is a deep passing game. But then the not so good is this the start for Graham Mertz. There's there's no one under a larger microscope than Mertz, so every throw he makes is analyzed. The start to practice was a continuation of what we had been a couple days for the junior. It was a mix of throwing behind guys, throwing high over the middle, and into Tuesday's practice, locking on to just one receiver, which uh, was allowing in the interceptions. So right now for spring ball, now it is spring ball, but Graham Mertz not looking the greatest. But Zach does say Mertz did bounce back as outlined above with the deep passing game to Chimray DK to during later team drills and in some of the move the ball periods. He says it will be interesting to see if we can take this strong finish to Tuesday's practice and carry it over to the final two, which will be Saturday and next Tuesday. RJ, in your time with the Wisconsin football team, how important for a player like uh, Graham Mertz is spring ball? During my time, it really wasn't. You had running backs who were just so it was just paying the ball off. Yeah. Okay. I how mean, important was spring ball to the running backs? Like, because <laughs> if that if they were the star of the show, then how important um, was it? Which obviously it's going to sound bad, but spring ball is not important at all. I mean, so should we not? It be- is, but it isn't for for anybody in the two deep, and you're already established in the two deep. You're you're fine yeah. if you're moving from. The two deep to the potential starting position, it's important for you. If you are somebody graduated and you're looking to get on the two deep, it's important for you. There's a reason why, like, any running back that even has, like, oh, I I stubbed my toe the other day. Well, you're out for spring. Sure. You're done. Like, Just we're shutting it down. Yeah. Um, kind of like how we always see, like, one big injury every single year. Where yeah. they're like, all right, you're done. And I think it was Nick Herbig this year where they said, oh, arm injury. Yeah. And, but and he's, been, like, but well, he's been back at practice. Yeah. But it's also been like, well, what happened? And, uh, he's We're shutting him down for in, an indefinite amount of time. And then um, some people would say broken arm. Yeah. Yeah, they'll show up at around 9 o'clock today. <laughs> <laughs> or some people might say he got his hand bit by a dog. Um, some people would. Potentially. But, it says right here, standouts. Here's standouts in practice. Doesn't say anything about Mertz. It just says Chase Wolf. Yeah, I guess that competition breeds success. So I guess that's good for Mertz. If Chase Wolf is maybe nipping at his heel, there's no I just, way. I, yeah. I'll be. I don't. I think this is not. When I hear that, like, hey, Chase Wolf is making these deep throws. Like, good for Chase Wolf. But yeah. I also am going, oh my god. I, that's like, why I bring it up. Like because. We've seen Chase Wolf play. It it's not great. The other team is like, thank you. I'll a lot that. of times, yeah. it's thank a you. lot of times thank it's you, him scrambling, or when he's not scrambling, it's him throwing an interception. If I'm being completely honest yeah. here, and Graham Mertz, we've talked about it over and over and over and over since 2020. He's been really inconsistent. He looks really good sometimes, and he looks really bad sometimes. And the fact that. You're continuing to hear that Graham Mertz is looking really good on some passes and then really inconsistent on other passes, but yet Chase Wolf is the guy that turned heads. Yeah. I know it's and then the other what is the other one? The wild card of Deacon Hill, the third string uh, quarterback that put on boy. Yeah, that mm. put on like fifteen pounds, but he's got a big arm and then it'll be like, Oh, and he also dropped in a really nice pass here and there. Yeah. 
It's, I, and I know it's spring ball, but it's still, it's like, to Rowdy's points, you get a little, like, like can an I eyebrow ever, raise. Can I ever just hear that Graham Mertz went out there and just made it look like the high school all-star game again? Nope. And I can feel, like, positive about that? It, it would be nice. I'm gonna, I don't think I've felt positive about Graham Mertz, like a, a true positive, without any negatives or any, like, ugh, <laughs> since <laughs> Michigan of 2020. Yeah, I was going to yeah. guess that, yeah. I know. All right, uh, we've got three of them. Let's see. In order here. Uh, welcome to the show. Who's this? Good morning. Hey, Nathan, what's up? You know, with your uh, Netflix documentary series, I, I would think I should be with somebody that, like Larry the Cable Guy or Michael B. Jordan. I, I'm not sure which one. Uh, I don't want to typecast Michael B. Jordan as playing, you know, just a handsome individual like you. So I don't, hmm. Larry the Cable Guy would be good for you, Nathan. Probably. Um, <laughs> so as far as uh, Wolf goes good, he's got a big arm, but show me what you can do when Ohio State's linebackers are barreling down in your face and you don't hit the safety. Wolf or Mertz? Wolf. Oh. I'm going to get to Mertz in a second. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I, I, think Mertz, I think Wolf might just give the ball to those Ohio State boys. And as far as Mertz goes, I mean – I know all these articles say there's a microscope on him and all this stuff, and I really don't think that there should be a lot of pressure on him because, honestly, the way he's played over the last couple of seasons, there's nothing but up. Like, I, I don't know if he can go down any further. So, I mean, there's, in my opinion, there's not high expectations for the guy. Yeah, it's, it's shifting. The only thing that could go down, I think, would be his merchandise on his website so people might buy it. But I don't know well, if those the, were ever up. The price, yeah. I've never seen any, like, actually in the wild. I've never seen anyone wear one either. Nope. So, I mean, I, you know, it just kind of reminds me, you're talking about oh. a guy with a big arm. Oh, was that Jamarcus Russell, the guy that went to Oakland? He can throw 50 yards from a seated position. Good, because that's what he was going to have to do in Oakland. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, he's got a cannon. Good. I don't want a guy with a cannon. I'd rather have a Chad Pennington that'll dink and dunk and hit his receivers. Oh, a pe- nice Chad Pennington reference. Nathan, you just uh, uh, made me realize something. I think what it is, Graham Mertz is kind of like a Christian Yelich approach. You need to get rid of that big contract, all your worldly possessions. I think Graham Mertz might be just stressing a little too much that he's not moving as much merchandise as he initially thought. If he does have a clearance sale, get it off of his mind and move some merchandise, then maybe he'll start performing better, not worrying about all uh, those boxes in the warehouse. You know, maybe the Green Bay quarterback should pick him up and take him on a cleanse. (laughs) (laughs) Therapeutic vomiting. I mean, get all that crap out of him. Yeah. Good stuff, Nathan. Literally and figuratively. See you, buddy. Yeah. Rowdy, would you say that you had therapeutic vomiting? I think you said this watching the end of the Wisconsin Badger season, especially against Minnesota. The Minnesota game, yeah. Therapeutic Mm -hmm. vomiting. And also therapeutic screaming. (laughs) Ah. Remember we did uh, yoga rage screaming. And and also therapeutic breathing. (laughs) Yoga rage screaming. That was a big, that was something we did for the Brewers last season. Uh, Line four. Good morning. Who's this? Chad. Good morning, gentlemen. Wisco Chad. How are you guys? I, well, I got to save it for the next caller. I'm doing well. I'm okay. (laughs) I'm decent. (laughs) How are you? Uh, great. You know, I've been kind of trying to figure this out. Is Chase Wolf like in his 12th year of college? <laughs> he is a senior, so there's that. Yeah. Some people, some people go to college for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> He's just a regular senior. This isn't like COVID super, super Brad Davidson plus 
senior year? Nope. Sometimes I, I hear that if you're in the Wisconsin quarterback room and you stay silent just long enough, you can still hear the ghost of Kurt Phillips moving through there. <laughs> <laughs> He's going, oh, my knees. Yeah. I mean, the only one we wanted to be a super senior around there was uh, Russell. Yeah. <clears throat> and anyway, it's, uh, has anybody, you know, checked the merchandise from Mertz? Is it, you RJ's know, on it right. RJ was just on it, actually. Yeah, it's still like minimum of 30 bucks for a T-shirt. Did anybody go on spring break and see kids, poor, impoverished children in, like, the Dominican wearing the T-shirts? I don't think well, so. I haven't heard. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, no, I haven't heard it. It's I, weird that he also has some GameCube stuff on there. <laughs> I haven't even seen anyone, like, downtown Madison wearing it no. for a better Saturday. Mm-mm. I, I hope, listen, I want him to make money. I hope he sells. It's, I, I mean, there might be, he must give them out like Der- Derek Jeter is consolation prizes. No, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chad, let me ask you, brother. Uh, I know you're a big Brewers guy. Uh, Christian Yelich hit a grand slam uh, two nights ago and then went 0 for 4 yesterday. Uh, what would you rather have, the pitching staff better than 2021 or Yelly at an MVP form for this season? Pitch, pitching staff better in 2021? Yeah. I like to pitch. If you're better than 2021, which they were amazing last year, like they would be, that would be historically better, I think, than like the '95 Braves. How about this? Corbin Burns repeats as Cy Young Award winner, but shares it with Brandon Woodruff. <laughs> better than ours, that would be better. <laughs> the, the, and uh, Freddie Peralta. Uh, has an yeah, he's like C second. Yeah, home. yeah, yeah. That would be sick. I'd like it. Chad, anything else in your mind, brother? No, it's, it's just uh, nice hearing from you. Yeah, I might buy a grammar T-shirt just to maybe support the car. Yeah, you got disposable income. You, they, he makes he. Okay, here's what it is, Chad. If you buy it yourself, someone might question you. But you have two kids. There is kids merchandise on there. Put one of your kids in it. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. But no one's gonna say anything bad to your kid. That's child abuse. <laughs> wow. And then you could also, you could like blame it on like your wife or something. Be like, oh, she didn't know. She thought he was really good. Yeah. She-, <laughs> she thought it was a night. She thought it was a night logo. It looks like- yeah. There, I think we figured it out. Chad, there we go. All right. Get on the internet. World Wide Web. Go buy some for your kids. Tell me they're $5. And then we got Well, do I don't, I think they're like 20 yeah. or 30. All right. Yeah, 30, see you, buddy. 30 bucks for a t-shirt. Go check it out. Go check it out. What is it? Nobody uh, pays over $30 for a t-shirt unless it's a plain white t-shirt and it's supposed to be from Kanye. Well, that's $300 then. It's a logo t-shirt. Yeah, good morning. Who's this? Got your weatherman, Corey from Marshall. Corey, what's up, dude? How you doing? Uh, so, uh, well, again, I'm, I'm well. Great. <laughs> I like to hear it. So that uh, poll that you had yesterday, talking yeah. about yellow to the pitching staff, can you maybe give a little bit bigger scope on that? Like, what, what was actually... I know what the choices were, but what was really the um, what was kind of being inferred from the choice being made? Well, it was, it was, it was Rowdy's beautiful poll. Rowdy, if you want to tell what was inferred, yeah, can you expound on that for me? Well, the Is reason it, why I came maybe up I'm with it, it, the reason why I came up with it is one. Pretty much my entire life, it's always been the Brewers have the sluggers, but once they get to the playoffs, the few times they had, they never have the pitching to do anything really in the playoffs. And then last year they finally had the pitching, but then the hitting failed. And I just thought it would be an interesting, an interesting poll because one, the 
the fans went nuts in 18 and 19 when Christian Yelich was just going on that binge of basically being a two-time MVP had he not followed it off of his kneecap. Yet they cruised to an easy central victory last season and cruised into the playoffs, but they unfortunately couldn't find any hitting, and it was two Rowdy Tellez swings, and that's all they scored in the playoffs. But I feel like the fans enjoyed the Christian Yelich MVP more than they enjoyed the uh, really good pitching, even though the really good pitching got them there in a breeze. Okay. Did he expound enough for you, Corey? Yeah. <laughs> I still I would still say that I guess maybe I'm still not totally getting it, but I would still go with like the Christian Yelich because even if they are as good as last year, like that's what I inferred from the choices was say, okay, would you rather have the pitching be even better than last year or the same as last year, but Christian Yelich doing better? Does that make sense? I think what a lot of people were inferring. Hello. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So we were just we were just expounding our minds. No, I think answers. I think what we were what we were kind of meaning was like the pitching is still good, but not as good as last year, but it's still solid. But Yelich is back to being an MVP. Hmm. We just only had so much space in the text box. Yeah, you got to blame who the hell owns Twitter now. We'll still blame no, Jack. Yeah, blame Jack. The, the ether. If, if Elon Musk owns it, then we'll be able to type whatever that we want in there. So. Yeah. So, okay, that clarifies it a bit. Um, <laughs> feels still like it would be a bit of a tough choice because we're saying, well, they're solid, but I guess what does that mean? Does that mean like these guys then But what does up? it mean? Yeah. Hey, how about this? It means whatever you want it to mean, Corey. Uh, not really. You know, <laughs> there, there is objective truths in this world. There's big, there's big truths and like, little truths, right, Rowdy? It's not just your reality that you're living. I mean, we all have our own relativity. You know, I used I used to think that, but now I said I don't really give a crap about anyone else's life but my own, so I'm going to live my own truth. Just so pushing people's back faces. To the, back to the Brewers thing here, I don't want to get too far off. That I would still take the yellows because I felt like last year that pitching staff kind of got not worn down necessarily, but it was a grind every game for him. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Rowdy, you're trying to kind of build more for the playoffs at this point rather than just thinking about, I guess, yeah, you get to the regular season, I get that, but when you get to the playoffs and, like, you have no offense at all, so I, I don't know. It, it's a bit of a tough choice. Maybe we just need more choices on Twitter. It kind of okay, goes back yeah. to me. We'll get, we'll get, once, if Musk ever buys Twitter, we'll get him to give us more than a couple options, okay? And then the UW discussion you guys are having, I'd say overall that athletics department, I don't know if RJ has the same opinion or not, they're at a bit of a crossroads here in terms of where they're going because you got pretty middling performances from all of your main line uh, revenue-generating teams, and I would say that – men's hockey team was almost like disaster level because they got no poor attendance, poor performance. You got coaches resigning now. That's not a good look. And McIntosh has his work cut out for him. So I hope they're, uh, yeah. I'm sure they're, they're paying him handsomely, but um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. this is going to be an interesting next couple of years to it see is. what they kind of do. Hey, Corey, you the man, brother. Yeah. You the man. All right. Thank you. See you, see you buddy. Spring practice. When I read what, what you said, and, and I read it earlier this week about Graham Mertz, the wide receivers, how they look in spring practice, the thing that stands out to me about the deep passing game isn't necessarily that Mertz or the quarterbacks look good. 
because they they don't. But this is a wide receiver room that is going to be a lot better than it was last year. Well, yeah. And I've talked myself into that. It's young. It's inexperienced. But I do think it's a lot more talented. The kid they brought in from UCLA. Well, he's the one that hit Lewis, the big big pass yesterday. There's no reason that he can't crack the top group of wide receivers. Jim Ray DK is the clear one. He's going to play in the slot a lot. But then you have Skylar Bell and Marcus Allen. It's a group that I think will be a lot more productive, hopefully partially because of better quarterback play. But also, I mean, it, the guys last year, kind of ran their course, I guess is a way to say it. Yeah. Um, th- they made some plays, but there were a lot of times where plays were not made. So I think one of the biggest things coming out of the spring is the hope that the wide receiver room is actually going to be really productive. Well, the Badgers had what, just one play of 50 or more yards in 2021. And that was a Danny Davis, 72 yarder. That was a short dump off. pass. Uh, and the second longest reception of the year, Clay Cundiff, <laughs> a tight end. So I guess the wide receiver room can a tight end that's coming off an ACL injury. Yes. The the wide receiver room can I guess go up then. Yes. I don't think do you think this UCLA guy is going to be he's going to be a focal point, don't you think? Like he wouldn't come if he wasn't going to be. Well, uh he's young. He only played one year there. So there is a scenario like they bring in Isaac Townsend last year from Oregon, defensive end, and he was not going to see the field last year. This year he will a little bit, but there are some transfers that come in to have a role in future years. I think Keontes Lewis, it's both. I think he's going to be a focal point once Chimray DK is gone. Like yeah. Chimray DK, Chimray DK is the guy, the focal point. But who's after him? Is it uh, Skylar Bell slash Keontes Lewis? Okay, but then you could throw Dean Engram in there too. It's a it's a deep room of all guys around the same age, but definitely talented. Big this is from for, for me. This is kind of like the the Wisconsin basketball before this last season. It's like, yeah, the Danny Davises, the Kendrick Pryors, like all those guys were pretty good. They weren't great, but they were pretty good, especially for Wisconsin receivers and where they play for like their level. But I'm like, I'm kind of done with them. Like, they, like you said, they, they've kind of run their course. It's like, move on already. Like you don't need to, like, come, I don't know what you don't need to come back. Harsh, but yeah. <laughs> like, you don't need to come back for a six year for a photography major. Well, well, oh, oh I know. I, okay. I know that one. I'm with I'm you. I'm not going to touch that one, but it's like, it's like, okay, I get it. Like you're a decent player for both of them. Sometimes you guys haven't been able to stay healthy. And sometimes it's like feast or famine, but it's like, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready for new blood. New um, blood. Yeah, and it's talented. Rowdy, they say never get caught low on the chrome. Ready for some new blood. And I would just see if the quarterback can get him the football. Well, by spring practice right now, hopefully you don't run past Here's a little 10 preview. yards. I don't know what's going to happen. A little preview for Thursday. We're going to be talking where thoughts have changed since the start of spring ball to now. And oh, can I tell you my, how my thought process changed? Sure. I was done with Graham Mertz, and I wanted Caleb Williams really bad. And now my thought process changes. I'm back on the merch train because I have, because he I, is the only one that have can succeed here. <laughs> that's how my thought process changed. But that's part of it. The wide receiver unit that I just talked about is part of it. There are groups for better or for worse that have emerged as positives. And then some obviously as negatives from spring Ooh, ball. My also thought process changed this. I think we need a clearance sale, a fire sale up at uh, GrahamMerch.com. Unnecessary. Actually, I was uh, I was trying to help a listener out earlier today because we were thinking that maybe you know the reason why Mertz was struggling is because he was stressing 
that he's got all these boxes of shirts in a warehouse and they're not moving, like no one's buying them. And I said, well, maybe what we need to do is, since he has kids' clothing, children's clothing, that all of our listeners out there with kids, young kids, that they should buy the merchandise for the kids. That way you can't yell yell at a kid for wearing, you know, the clothes they wear. Who sings this song? Is this Bad Bunny? No, this is a bit. This is Cannons. Bad Bunny is a rapper from Mexico. Oh. <laughs> this is Cannons. This song's called Bad Dream. No, yeah. I've heard this multiple times. So and I wasn't resistance. sure. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's the a, singer. Lead singer is smoking. Not bad. Lead singer is smoking. Is it 10 a.m. yet? <laughs>